Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Joe, how are you, mate? Hi, Chris. Good, thanks. How are you? Yes, absolutely firing. Great. Loving this amazing thing called life. Feel very, very privileged and um, privileged to speak to people such as your good self, mate, um, at, at the cutting edge of technology. Yeah, apparently so. Well, well, we try to be anyway. Uh, yeah, um, sort of working in films, developing technology for. Um, uh, archaeology, presentation, and uh, and, also, and virtualization, as we like to call it. Yeah. So, look, Joe. Before we go any f- um, further, I just want to give our audience at home an idea of Visual Skies, uh, which is Joe's company, and what we're talking about here, because it really is next level, next level stuff. So, I wish you guys were on my team. That's anytime, Chris. Let me know. Uh, Let me know when. the podcast. My gosh. So, Joe, to me, what in my limited uh, uh, techno knowledge, this looks like you're kind of filming the world and, and then so it then can be reproduced for any scenario, like, for example, in a, in a film, in a movie, in, a, in an advert. Am I, am I roughly on the money? Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, generally what we do is go um, all around the world uh, to various locations, uh, various studios, uh, capture a, a, a location, a, a set, a person, an object, you know, a car, and create a virtual version of that so that um, it can be used in, you know, a visual effects pipeline as a virtual background, uh, as an augmented reality asset, or, you know, um, um, you know, in, in VR and virtual reality, or as you know, just straightforward video on on a screen. Um, that's essentially what our company does in a nutshell. And all of what we do is powered by drones, photogrammetry, and lidar technology. Gosh, so let's take that one at a time. So augmented yep. is a word I'm getting familiar with in in, mm-hmm. in this last month because they're talking about. Uh, military augmentation augmentation now yeah so basically turning soldiers into semi semi robots or 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 or, or, or assimilating technology either into Mm -hmm. their physically into their body or into the brain yeah or i mean yeah i'm not too sure about that stuff you know what we do with augmented reality is use it as a tool um, so on uh, film sets, for example, we will use an iPad um, to augment, um, you know, the film set with virtual characters, with vi- virtual assets. So say, for example, uh, a dragon is going to land on the beach. You can hold up an iPad and then visualize where that dragon's going to go using augmented reality. So you can see the 3D dragon on the beach and then you can start framing your shots and stuff like that. And um, we've also used it in, in sort of archaeology to um, fold back like time and look at sites as they used to be. 
uh, we we worked on a show called Lost Cities with Albert Lin um, in 2018, and hopefully again soon um, to um, find make make sort of um, make new findings, archaeological findings using technology. And part of what we did was develop a augmented reality app, so he could preview sites uh, um, in 3D in augmented reality, basically, and to to see sites as they used to be. Um, you know, hundreds of years ago. Yeah, got you. I think my uh, ignorance comes around the word, what does augmented mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to what did you intend to do with it? Oh, uh, yeah, I, guess it's, I guess it's introducing yeah. technology into something to to get in it, uh, um, in, in enhanced productivity, isn't it, essentially? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, the, way, the way that, you know, the Facebook meta wants to push things is that, you know, you're wearing glasses and the world is augmented around you with virtual things. And, uh, you know, I think that's a bit far off still. Um, but uh, but um, in films, it's a very useful tool uh, that we use, uh, you know, every day. And I'm guessing, Joe, that this could save film companies an absolute fortune? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes it enables um, decision making. It enables, you know, whilst you're on location to, um, to see where things will go and make decisions make decisions on that on the location but also enables you to take less crew less kits you know less equipment if you're doing things in cgi and post-production more and more then uh, you know everything can happen from people's homes these days yes and it's the the implications for it are endless i mean i mentioned the military but mm. i mean on a serious note you could recreate a battlefield before the soldiers have even been there you could recreate urban environments so that they can get to see. I mean, the Iranian embassy siege, for those of us old enough to remember it, 1980, I believe it was, where the SES went into the Iranian embassy in London and um, they, uh, they took out a group of um, guys that were holding everyone hostage in there. They had to build um, wooden structures like real old school technology like nailing up bits of sailcloth and sackcloth and stuff to to make the rooms and and then they still got a lot of it wrong mm -hmm. but but something like this um i mean ultimately i guess you are you have to have filmed the place beforehand to have the 3d version of it but but i mean let's just say we thought that the i don't know St. Basil's Cathedral in Red in, in, in Red Square was going to be the place of some future attack. And had you been in there and and captured it all, you've got there there you are, you know, you you've got it's it's the perfect recce, is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Yeah, this is uh, that 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 definitely already happens. You know, virtual reality training already one hundred percent happens. You know, dropping uh, a soldier into a virtual reality experience and you know you, they feel real when you're in them and you have the headset on you know they're made to feel real you know when you take the headset off afterwards you're almost disappointed with real life because it looks it looks worse than you know the virtual reality world you've just been in which is uh, sort of scary in its own right but um yeah you sort of um hit a point quite well is that preservation you know 3d scanning uh, scanning a location perfectly preserves a location in, a, in, 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 in as good a form as we can prefer, preserve something right now. So for example, Notre Dame 
was burnt down recently, wasn't it, in France. And uh, for Assassin's Creed, they had fully created a digital copy of, of uh, Notre Dame in, in Paris. And so they were able to use that to, to see how, how, how they would re rebuild the site. And also it's, it's a perfect, it's as, as good a copy as we can make at the moment or something. Yes, you can preserve stuff for prosperity, but also mm -hmm. to protect, to protect. Exactly, yeah. It's the best form of, for, for history, you know, in the future, people will be able to visit sites which may no longer exist, which is incredibly powerful and useful, obviously. Imagine yeah. we could go back and, you know, see Stonehenge as it actually was, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, also, it, it, it must be of use to sort of... Uh, archaeologists scientists geographers all this sort of stuff because you could film the landscape one year and of course in 10 years time it's going to be completely different and you're going to be able to see the the oh hang on we're going again you're going to be able to see the effects of of weather or or human you know human absolutely uh, yeah our technology our technology isn't just used in, in film and television also used in archaeology quite often. Uh, we worked on a series, as I just as I mentioned earlier, Lost Cities, um, and used aerial lidar, which is essentially a lidar scanner. Which um, do you know? Do you know what lidar is? It, once you tell me, I'm going to go. Oh yeah. It's essentially um, a laser scanning um, uh, device which fires lasers and measures distances. Um, so just like a laser pointer you buy at BQ or whatever. It will measure distances, not just once, it will measure distances millions of times. And so once it's measured distances in 3D space, it can then create a cloud of those uh, of those measurements, a point cloud. And that uh, resembles the sh shape of, of a location in 3D. And we use that technology in um, Colombia to scan beneath the trees to find um, old ruins which have never been found before. And so what we were able to do is use the laser scanner on a helicopter, fly over the jungle canopy and then remove the trees from the point cloud and just see what was on the ground. And with that data, we were able then to say, we think we see terracing in this location. And then uh, we sent the presenter and his team, um, you know, on a day's trek through the Colombian jungle where literally everything wants to kill you out there, the spiders, you know, the the jaguars, uh, you know, the lo locals, mm. <laughs> everything wants to kill you. And, uh, and so um, uh, they made the trek. And once they finally got there, the first thing they found was some ancient pottery, which had never been discovered before. They found some terracing, which had never been discovered. And uh, it was well worth the trek. And we're lucky that they were actually, you know, was proved, uh, it was proved right. And we found some terracing, which hadn't been discovered before, which was pretty, pretty special yeah yeah we yeah i was going to say we, we also use the same technology aerial lidar in a, a place called micronesia which i'll be uh, very very surprised if you can point out on that map behind you uh, it's uh, it's it's one of the smallest islands in the pacific I'll give you what's the name of the island it's the federated states of micronesia and the uh, island we went to is called pompeii Gosh, I've got to turn the right way for a start. It's 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 on both sides, I think. I think you're, you're heading in the right direction. What was it called? Pomp Pompeii. Pompeii. Federated States of Micronesia. Yeah. 
Um, it is. It's like a speck. Yeah, it's just there, just off screen. Yeah. Yeah. It, guys, it, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> Pompeii Federated uh, States of Micronesia. Just, just it, where I knew it was. Yeah. It, exactly <laughs> where I knew. It's, it's it the was. toughest one to find, but um, amazing place. It takes about four days to get there from the UK. You can either go via Tokyo or via Hawaii. Um, so you can go. You can go either way. We went via Hawaii, so it was uh, no, sorry, via Tokyo. So it was uh, UK to Tokyo, Tokyo to Guam, overnight in Guam, and then you get on a, a, a basically a bus plane which goes uh, from island to island. It lands, takes off, lands, takes off. Uh, around all the islands and once you get there four days later um, um we were then scanning with with drones this time not helicopters um it's hard to get a helicopter to that island unfortunately as you can imagine and then um we were looking for uh, we were scanning a site called namadol and there might be a youtube video a, a video on our vimeo about this site actually okay. uh, yes this one's pretty special. If you tell me where to go, I'll I'll get it up. What a stunning picture to start off with. Yeah. So this location uh, is hundreds of years old, uh, built with um, you know impossibly large basalt rocks, um, which they think uh, were were somehow transported from the top of the island where there was a volcano. Uh, some of the stones are uh, over 70 uh, tons and so obviously impossible to move with our current technology even and um, we were essentially mapping the, the entire site with uh, a lid aerial lidar device attached to a drone flying um, over the top of the canopy of trees multiple times days and end and uh, we were then processing the data whilst on location, which normally we don't do because it requires quite a large amount of processing. However, we were processing for a couple of days and then finally we started to see things. We started to see islets underneath the canopy of trees, which have never been discovered before. And we were able to build a, in a complete uh, map of the of these um, you know, habitations, the city that existed underneath the, uh, the trees here. And the final video is the point cloud, and then uh, and then the blue turquoise thing is, is showing where the where these um, islets were. It's pretty fantastic, fascinating. Wow. It's an amazing place. Yeah, just a, this is just a, like a teaser, really. If you've got the got the time, watch uh, check out. You should definitely check out the show on um, it's on Disney Plus. You can now see it in the UK. It's called Lost Cities with Albert Lynn. And uh, yeah, we're in um, for five of the episodes. Oh, well, congratulations. And, and uh, it goes without saying, I love that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I spent a lot of time in South Central America, South America. Mm-hmm. Um, you get caught up a lot, don't you, in all the visiting all the ruins and- Yeah. And um, I actually, um, What's the, is it Aguas Caliente is the city before you go to Machu Picchu? I think it's like the, the railway, where the mm-hmm. railway stops. I, I think I passed through there, yeah. Yeah, so I was staying there um, with a friend I was backpacking with and uh, I said, right, I'm going out for a run. So I put my running shoes on and went running and I found a sign just pointing up and I thought, <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go up. So I went up, up this trail and it it was twisting around this sort of 
almost like a, a big knoll, like these kind of crazy elevations you get down there. And I'm running mm-hmm. sort of around and horizontally and all this kind of stuff. And finally, there was a ladder just pinned to the rock face that went up for about 20 meters or something. This really? rickety old rusty ladder. And I climbed it and then I ran a bit more. I came out on top of this, this mini mountain and Machu Picchu was there below me. Amazing. So this it must is, have been about four, 4,000 meters altitude at least. Oh, it was to see something you've heard so much about and you've only seen yeah. pictures, you know, pictures in magazines and stuff. And to come to discover it that way by coming out on top of this thing and being, being almost like looking across the valley at it, across that, that raging river. Um, yeah, that was incredible. And um, um, so, Joe, just tell me, I mean, the logistics of this. Hmm. Uh, it, it, do, do, um, tell us about how, how does this get financed? Do you have to pay? Do these film companies cover it all? Yeah, it depends on the project. Um, the majority of the time, uh, the production company will pay uh, for uh, our entire trip. They'll pay for our flights, they'll pay for hotels, transport will be organised when we get there and uh, all of, everything will be organised for us. There are some times where we will um, pay for everything ourselves and then, and, then, and then charge it back once we deliver the, 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 the data, essentially. Um, but um, yeah, 99% of the time, the production companies are very good and they organize everything for you. It's, it's amazing, you know, it's, it's, it's great. But um, yeah, sometimes we have to do things ourselves. Do you get to a hotel and first thing you check if there's a minibar? Yeah, absolutely, of course. <laughs> yeah, in no, no minibars in Micronesia, unfortunately. Uh, the hotels there were, a bit, were beautiful, amazing places, but very, very basic. <laughs> You must feel honoured to have been to such places because, I mean, how many people... I've been to a few places, but I've never I've not had the fortune to go there, and I'd love to. Absolutely, yeah. Part of, you know, our job is, is amazing. You know, we get sent to the most amazing locations in the world, uh, not only just to see them, but to film them with drones, you know, to photograph them, to, you know, to climb all over them all day sort of thing. You know, it's... You know, it's, kids in a playground at work which is amazing tell me about storage then because obviously everything's 4k these days and that Mm -hmm. takes a fair amount of gigabytes what 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 about data transfer and it is is and and, um i call it burning you know when you transcode a a, an edit into the actual final thing Mm -hmm. and my my friend matty hello matty matty elliott Another former Marine that's a really good videographer, he made a documentary about Mark Ornrod, who's the, I think, Britain's first triple amputee from the Afghanistan conflict. And when they, when he burned that video, that documentary, he said, Mark, check it with a tooth comb, because when it's done, it's, he said it took 36 hours to, Mm -hmm. to code, to, to, you know transcode the the video right. and um and and i don't i think that i'm not even sure if that was 4k I, i'm guessing it must have been but do you have a similar yeah it's, uh, data storage is tough um it's the uh, one of the toughest parts of our jobs is making sure that the data is secure you know our clients pay a lot of money for these uh this data so we've got to make sure it's secure 
Um, so on location, the data starts quite small, to be honest. Uh, you know, you're in the terabytes, uh, probably from a location like Peru that we did um, scanning Mwata, um, it's probably about four terabytes of data captured uh, across across four or five days. So not too large at that at that stage. But once we get it back to the office, once we start processing it, it becomes very large, you know, 10, 20 terabytes. And so we have servers for, for that, rack-mounted servers, and, um, and we also upload to Google Drive um, because we have an unlimited Google Drive account, which is very nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we've got about 200 terabytes on Google Drive uh, just from this year at the moment. So Gosh, pretty, yeah, use Google. Crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who and, knows whether they're just going to turn it off one day? But we've got uh, cold storage and, and online storage. And with respect to the film companies, so we're talking people like Marvel, aren't we? And 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 you know, yeah. big 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 names. What what's your future with these giants? Yeah. So well, the future that uh, we sort of see at the moment is um digitizing more locations uh to bring the locations to the actors to the studios rather than actors and cast and crew uh going to locations at all we will we will digitize you know 10 20 locations create a virtual scene for them which they can then um, shoot their films before you know even thinking you know before you know even choosing which actors they want to use they'll be able to shoot the entire movie just like a video game, you know, um, in these virtual worlds, create, you know, a, a, the entire movie just virtually. And then once they've got that, they can use that as a blueprint to then film, their, you know, their actors, their cast, their crew on, uh, on sound stages with LED walls with virtual backgrounds. I don't know if you've seen any of those used in like The Mandalorian, for example. Um, so they will be popular. Those backgrounds will be populated from the assets, from the environments we've captured, and then they'll be able to shoot, um, you know, the, the the storyboard they've made virtually, but for real on those backgrounds, all without, you know, leaving leaving Pinewood Studios in, in London. It's not going to be long, is it, before actors are just redundant? You don't need well, them. Uh, yeah, I, I think actors are—they uh, have a job for for a long a long time. And then we we do do um, uh, digital doubles as well. So um, part of what we do is not just go into locations to scan locations. We also capture and create virtual virtual people, you know, virtual copies of people. So um, yesterday, for example, we had a load of uh, military guys actually in our office, um, all dressed in you know the proper proper gear, being scanned to create virtual virtual you know, characters and so they could be animated they could be you know uh, they can they can you know do things which you can't do to real people you know like you know run them over and stuff <laughs> i don't know what they're doing in the in the in this uh, scene but uh, um but yeah uh, um capturing and creating virtual people so then then they can you know act and do things you know with visual effects essentially um, so yeah, that's part of what we do. And uh, but to create those people, um, we do it slightly differently. Actually, it, my background at the moment is um, is our is our cyber rig. So this is an array of a hundred lights and a hundred cameras, or that all fire in sequence and then at, at different timing to capture um, a person from all angles and in, in many different lighting conditions. And from that data, you're then able to create that virtual character, that virtual person. 
and um, uh, here's another here's another background. So that's that's sort of the full rig. I don't know if you can see that. Wow. There you go. There it is. So this is something that we developed during during lockdown, and uh, it's, it's very busy at the moment, which is great. Um, it's a bit of a more close up, and this is um, a color chart and a mirror ball in the middle, which um, is used as lighting reference to match the the colors from the real people, from the photography to the virtual world. Yeah. So most people are like trying to make some contraption to feed the squirrels during lockdown. <laughs> And you've created this this virtual world yeah we were we were we were pretty busy which was great you know it was fantastic for us um, um not having work for six months it was really really good for us mm. you know the money side of things wasn't wasn't good of course it wasn't for anybody but um, um development is something that we never get to do ever you know we're always well if we do do development we're doing it on a project for a project and uh, um, you know, it was, it was great to have sort of like the, the the hindsight time, you know, being able to think about where things are going, what we need, and and then make it, you know. And so we developed this rig, and uh, we also developed an app for scouting locations virtually. So um, which is essentially an iPad app or an iPhone app, um, which we can load our locations in a 3D environment, and uh, you can drop in actors, virtual characters. Uh, virtual cameras and then start filming the movie but just sitting on your sofa and joe let's just talk about what have, have you faced any kind of anti-stuff any negative as, as people criticize you um i'm not fishing here i'm just genuinely interested because i, I guess there's kind of uh, implications i mean one thing i'm always saying to young people is get out there and live your life please don't live it on a, an xbox yeah. or something because you're you're going to get to 60 and you're going to hate yourself you know yeah but uh, yeah absolutely i mean it, it, it only it's only happened a couple of times mm. uh the first time was um here in ciudad Padilla. this is in colombia um uh, we were scanning this location which is um pretty famous um location tourist destination you can only get here um by hiking through the jungle for four days on a on a like a popular route which has stops but we helicoptered in in 15 minutes obviously and uh um so we landed on that terrace just behind my head here and um um uh and then we're scanning this site with our drones and with lidar probably have a photo of that as well here we go so there's the lidar scanner on the left there so that's the LiDAR device and that's Duncan Lee's and his lovely pink shirt. Um, um, yeah, we were scanning this location and the tourists came up to me, obviously I was using drones and complained about us spoiling the magic of the site. Because obviously you're trying to enjoy a spiritual place and you've got this noisy drone that's about 90 decibels or 80 decibels, something like that, like flying around all day. It's, it's annoying, you know and uh and so um you know i just had to explain to them you know we're paid to be here by national geographic to preserve this site you know and tourists they uh, on daily you know they ruin this site they drop litter they you know feed the dogs which don't have you know can't hunt for themselves because um you know they're being fed all day and uh, and they you know stomp all over it ruining the site you know it needs to be preserved and I at the moment this is the best way to do it so I'd love to see you just turn that back and lay into them. 
No, oh, yeah. you're the problem. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, something you know gets you, and that really got to me. But, uh, but yeah, other times it's, it's only really when we're flying drones that we get any issues. Uh, obviously, drones are are annoying; they're, they're a nuisance, but they are incredible tools that we can use to our advantage to film things you know that you can't film in any other way this drone on the right hand side for example that and um, i don't know if it's on the right or left on this mirror image but um uh, that's the inspire 2 that shoots 6k raw images uh, and video and um uh, every 15 minutes is 500 gigs of footage on that camera but that's the smallest highest quality drone you can, you can buy it's fantastic we've been using that drone since it came out in 2017 and we're still using the same one they're fantastic they're amazing i've flown that thing in 60 mile per hour winds don't tell the caa um <laughs> i've flown it in rain i've flown it like you know any condition you know not when i'm around people uh, i would never do that like in a city but uh, off the co north coast of ireland you know where it's always windy it's always raining um you have to sometimes just get it in the air and get the shot and uh yeah we were filming with this drone for artemis fowl uh, we're filming wave shots and uh yeah it's almost impossible to keep the drone in the air 60 miles per hour gusting winds and this thing just cuts through the, you know it like butter it's amazing um but yeah they're a pest you know no one wants one of those outside their window if there was one outside my window right now i would i would go out there and <laughs> shout at them as well well, we're probably all going to have our shopping delivered by drone in the not too. I mean, it's, they've, yeah. all, they've all Amazon have already experimented with it, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, it's coming. Uh, we're all going to be um, flying around in in drone-like uh, vehicles in the next 10, 15, 20 years, something like that. They are weird. Weirdly, they're safer than helicopters. They will be safer than helicopters. Mm -hmm. um, they have fewer moving parts uh, than a helicopter. Helicopters have thousands of moving parts and uh they have redundancy like sometimes you know double triple quadruple redundancy you don't get that on helicopters or anything uh so. what do you mean if something can break on it it doesn't matter because it can keep flying yeah absolutely so if the if one of the batteries fail it has you know 20 other batteries these new vehicles if one of the uh, motors fail they have 20 you know eight to 20 other motors you know this one in the background it only has four props so if one of those props go it will come down but it's got double two batteries and so it really it can use um it can fly on one battery and um the other drone we use which uh this drone in the background um this is a six props and six battery uh drone we've got five cameras attached attached to that drone um for for mapping that location in the background um um but yeah if we lose one of the batteries on this drone um uh, it it will still fly i've actually lost a battery on this drone it it it's caught caught fire whilst it, whilst it was midair um i'm not sure what happened to it maybe it was punctured during transport or something but um yeah it was 2 kilometers away and uh, with the battery on fire i managed to fly it back land it take the battery out the drone was fine um it's pretty pretty fantastic amazing and if one of the props go on this drone it will it will still fly here it wow. is in this is in peru um uh, that's that's it flying at um 4, meters altitude um well 4200 at the top there um we just hiked up there yeah, which was very difficult obviously with the lack of air um I, I was really not sort of like used to uh you know 
the lack of oxygen uh, in that location. So it took a few days, but uh, the drone was absolutely fine at 4,000 meters altitude. Just off to the right, I see if I've got another photo. Um, yeah, this one is a, it's, uh, you can't really see in this one, but that's a thousand meter drop just there. So uh, flying off the edge of this, uh, this site here was, um, was pretty scary. But, Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Joe, I've got to ask you, seeing as though you've been the man down there on the money, what I, I've seen obviously a lot of the, the ruins in South America and these huge blocks of stone, uh, some of them are a hundred tons. Yeah. And yet they're all fitted together. Just ridiculous. It's something's impossible. not, it's something's not right about it. They're just so. We don't know how, how it's done. It's impossible. Uh, nobody knows how it's done. The archeologists that you meet have no idea how it's done. You know, they, 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 in, for example, in Colombia, they practice cutting the stones and they try and copy the stones, the terracing, which are like a little bit more simple than they are in, in Peru in in the Inca towns, but um, yeah, it's impossible. No, nobody knows how they cut. Um, and yeah, if somebody does say they know, then they're, they're lying. You know, that, that level of precision we couldn't do today, um, it's impossible. Um, who knows, they, 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 you know, they definitely had technology we don't today. Uh, yes. I don't know, I don't know how that works. But Friends side, at home, come on, those, those yeah. that know in the comments section. <laughs> There's definitely be a, be a, will be a comment about alien life. I can guarantee that. Um, the locals in Micronesia, I think, uh, all believe it was the spirits and you know um, that built uh, uh, you know uh, Namadol. They, that's what they believe. You know, um, it is it actually this is um, this is water in Peru, and you can slightly see in in the background some terracing here, just on the edge of this building. You can slightly yeah. see some terracing. This site is believed to be pre-Inca. So this is before the Mayans. This is where it's believed that they were practicing, you know, the sort of how to, how to build Machu Picchu. So ah. is, yeah. And so we scanned this site trying to find evidence of that, um, that it was pre-Incan. Pre and we uh, found some systems and some, um, some shapes which um, sort of indicated that it was, um, it was um, pre-Incas pre that, uh, that built this site. So... Machu Picchu was was Mayan, right? Right. I believe it was the Incas. Incas, but don't they say that they think that the Incas just built on top of the original? Yeah, that is that is what is believed, and it's believed that the guy, the people who built this built um, built uh, Machu Picchu. This yeah, was, like, I mean, this is where they this is where they started, you know, to test it, and this is uh, on the Inca Trail. Yeah. Yeah. Not many people get to go to this site. It's um, you know you can go there by foot. It's um, it's yeah just sort of uh, three hours away from Cusco, and, and then you have to climb up just a just a simple path. Um, we got all of our equipment up there just by a donkey. I've got a photo of that. So there you go. So these are the donkeys. So you can see the big box there that has our our large drone in it, and uh, it, was, it was about it was about fifteen to twenty pelly cases of stuff batteries, generators, you know, computers, tripods, cameras, that sort of thing. And uh, uh, you can't see it in this photo because it's cropped, but just, just up the top there is the site. It's right at the top. Wow, so look how high it is. That's where we were head heading, uh, just, with, just with donkeys and 
the donkeys got up there super quick to be honest but me and my colleague Duncan Leeds um um yeah <laughs> not so quick that donkey thought he was going to fly up when you put a drone on his back he thought yeah. he was going to get a, a free trip <laughs> yeah it didn't, work, didn't yeah. work out that way yeah but um in not not in this location but whilst in peru um uh we lost the only drone that we've ever lost before um um due to what the locals would say were, were the spirits of the site um because we didn't offer the volcano uh, an offering before flying there we um uh, the, you know, they took the drone down and, uh, you know, I, I don't really believe in spirits and stuff like that, but, um, uh, you know, I, the drone did something I'd never seen it do before. Um, it started flying backwards, uh, and away from me. And, uh, also the control, um, connection disconnected, you know, sometimes you expect, um, the control connection to disconnect. But when that happens, the drone knows to just come back and land. It's got a pre-programmed um, home point. Um, but that didn't happen. So two things happened at exactly the same time, which um, uh, you know I couldn't really explain because we it was, it was quite, quite close to me as well, the drone. And it's like flying backwards and, sp and spinning around and then flew basically, I, I would say, committed suicide by flying straight into the side of the volcano. And so that is the only drone I've ever lost. And uh, yeah, and there was no reason for it. The locals said, obviously, they, they said that we needed to give an offering to the mountain. And afterwards, I asked what offering did we need to give? And they said, um, you know, some gold or maybe a, 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 an animal fetus, which uh, obviously I didn't have either of those things in my pocket. So, yeah. <laughs> no, not the sort of thing you the, the Lonely Planet warns you about, is it? No, no, absolutely. Um, but that film Terminator warned you about this, the Re Revenge of the Machines. It's it's all starting to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah, it's possible uh, the way things are going. I think that uh, things will, um, technology will advance more than we will. Joe, just to finish off, um, been mm -hmm. a fascinating chat, mate. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you ever so much. Um, just want to say for young people watching this who who are interested in this area how what did you study did you go through uni do you yeah yeah so i went through uni um university i went through ravensbourne college in 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 greenwich um i started you know not really knowing what i wanted to do at all um you know i was good at art i was good at 3d stuff and uh started um an animation degree uh, where i spoke I, I instead of doing animation 3d animation i focused on visual effects and I went on to do a master's in 3D stereoscopic, which led me to start um, researching photogrammetry. So 3D scanning, basically. Um, so I was doing 3D scanning um, before the, you know, the good software existed to do it and all of that. And like back in 20, uh, 2009, 2010 was, uh, was sort of learning this stuff. And uh, it was only on my master's that I, you know, started to get into the industry. Um, it was, it's, it's a really tough industry to get into our industry. You know, it's, 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 it's unfortunately it can be not what you know, who you know. Um, but um, everyone in our industry is really highly skilled, obviously, and you, you, you have to learn on the job almost because there's no way you can learn what we do outside of work. Um, but to get into, you know, I'd say these days that you don't actually need to go to university, which is probably bad, bad sort of advice. But um, everything I learn 
is self uh, no is self taught from youtube from you know the internet you know anything i need to know i just google <laughs> and learn it you know part of what we do in our in our business is you know we have to figure things out that other people can't figure out and the only way we do it is by googling uh, like a lot, <laughs> you know, there's the most amaz amazing tool for everyone to use. And that's what, you know, everyone should use it. But um, yeah, uh, if, if people are looking for a job, please contact us as well. We, we have, we're, we're looking for photography assistants, for 3D artists, for, you know, people who just want to get involved with LiDAR and stuff. Um, yeah, we, we're, we're short of staff at the moment. So people are looking for work, contact me. If you need anyone to lead your donkeys, just hey, <laughs> I'm your man. I'm okay. your man. Perfect. Joe, absolutely fascinating. I hope you'll come back in the future and update us on how all your projects are, are going. Uh, we'll do. Especially if you get, well, you know, it, it all looks exciting, but if you get anything particularly um, left field, come and let us know. Okay, we'll do. Nice one, Chris. Nice to see you. Yeah, I'll put your links below. So mm -hmm. if anyone needs, you know, your LinkedIn or whatever. So if anyone needs yeah. your services, I, I, I think you're probably going to get hit up by MI6 now. And um, that'd be great. The, We'd love to work with them. The, the pen, Pentagon. <laughs> it, uh, um, Joe, just stay on the line so I can thank you properly. I'm, I'm going to play us out because uh, mm -hmm. I've got us up in the studio. So. Just bear with us, but massive thank you again to everybody at home. Much love to you all. Please look after yourselves. If you could like and subscribe, if you can share the video, um, that would be fantastic. Thank you. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris Thrall. Doctoral. Thank you.